Good morning. It's a tremendous blessing to be here with you this morning. I appreciate all the comments on my outfit. You know, two weeks ago I was in Plainview and I gave this same sermon, and it was the weirdest thing when I when people would walk in the building, they'd see me and then they'd see what I was wearing and then they just turn the other way and, and couldn't look at me. It was it's really funny. I think it's probably because you're a little bit more comfortable with things like this because of all the crazy things Danny wears uh, when he preaches. So, just kidding, Danny. This morning, we're going to talk about the mission of the church. And you think about a mission. We're all on a mission. Anywhere we go, we've got a mission in mind, whether that's soccer practice, choir practice, whether that's getting here to church this morning. You were on a mission, and most of your life, you're on a mission to get somewhere. And we're like our God in that way. God is always on a mission. And throughout the Old Testament, throughout the New Testament, God was on a mission, and that mission was to save us. And you see it all throughout the Bible. For example, 1 John 4, verse 9, In this the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world that we might live through him. And so God sent Christ to redeem us. That was part of his mission. And he did that through Jesus. And in the same way, Jesus, being a part of God and being sent, was a part of that mission. And he wants to save us as well. And you look at those two words, God sent that word sent is where we get the word apostle from. It's a apostello. And it's used 130 times in the New Testament talking about God sending or, or someone being sent to preach the gospel. And what that tells me is that God sending someone is an important thing to God. That's a, that's a big priority to God. That's something that God values. And when you're a part of God's family, when you're a part of the church, that's something that the church values is going on a mission and saving the lost. And you know the mission, uh, the mission statement, Matthew 28, we quote this all the time, and Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even, even to the end of the age, amen. And as Christians, we all say, you know, I want to be a part of that. I want to do what I can to be a part of that mission and to spread the gospel and, and to, to go and preach to the lost. And, and we have Bible studies in our house, and, and we, we conduct our ways to where our coworkers, our colleagues, our friends, they see the way that we live, and they say, I want to be a part of that. And that's good, but one thing that we miss a lot of time with this verse is the last part of that, that first phrase, all the nations. Christ said, I want you to go not only to where you live, not only to where you're local to, but I want you to go to all the nations. And I want you to preach Jesus to all the nations. And we're supposed to venture out. Christ said to go, go to all the nations. And by being a part of this church, by donating your money to this church and donating to the mission of Nigeria, which we're going to talk about, you have done that. You've ventured out. You may not have personally gone to Nigeria, but you've ventured out by the way of, of your finances, and that's helped to support that work. And so this morning, I want to show you what, what we've done in Nigeria, this last trip that we went on, what you have helped support um, over, the last, uh, over the last few years as, as you've supported Nigeria. We went on a trip starting in April 26th of 2022, just about two months ago. And this trip lasted till May 16th, so we were about there for about three weeks. And so I hope that you'll enjoy the presentation this morning. Uh, here's a map of the U.S. We started here in Amarillo, of course, and we, we flew to Dallas, or I, Jordan and I flew to Dallas. 
Um, and then we got on a plane and we flew up to New York. And it's about a four-hour trip to New York. And then we flew halfway across the globe. And we landed in Frankfurt, Germany about eight hours later. Um, about, I think it was five in the morning that time. And uh, waited there for about four hours. And then got on another, on another plane and flew down to Africa across the Mediterranean. And Africa, as you can see in the northern part there, it's very dry, very arid. Um, not much moisture. In the lower half, it's jungle. And so Nigeria, which it'll zoom in on here in just a second, has about half and half. The northern part of Nigeria is very dry, very arid. And then the southern half is very, is very uh, tropical and very jungle-esque. And so uh, you can see Abuja. We flew into Abuja, which is in the middle of Nigeria. And then it was about another hour plane ride uh, down to Port Harcourt. And Port Harcourt is, is the, the closest airport to our work, which is up there a little bit to the northeast in Aba. And so about 36 hours from leaving Dallas, we finally land in Nigeria. It's a really long trip. And Nigeria, just to give you kind of an estimate, like a, just a, how big it is, it's about the, if you combine Arkansas, Oklahoma, and Texas together, that's about the size of Nigeria. And the work that we do there is about the size from between Amarillo and Lubbock, so only, only maybe 120 miles that we're traveling, um, and we try to really focus our, our work there. But even though it's a tenth the size of the U.S. population, it's double, or even though it's a tenth the size of the U.S. in size, it's double the size in population. So just a lot of people um, just kind of packed in everywhere. This is a map of, of all the different locations of all the different churches that we support, um, the different colors are different years. So starting in 2016, we started tracking them on MapsMe. And you can see um, each, each color d uh, corresponds to a different year. And the green, which is in the south, that's where we, where we really focused our, our area or our time this time. Uh, what I have circled there in red is where our hotel is. And so it's right in the middle of a bar. And so that being in a very central location allows us to branch out and go to, to all of these different locations um, you know, down in the, the very southwest corner there, you can see Niger, uh, the Port Harcourt. And that's about 30 miles from Port Harcourt up to that area, but it takes about two and a half hours uh, to drive that because the roads are just so terrible. And, um, but once we get up to this, this red circle, we, we concentrate our time in, in that area a lot. And the hotel that we stay at, I mean, it's not your best western, but it, it's a, a nice hotel by Nigeria standards. Uh, but this is where the center of our location, or center of our work was. We had our uh, our conference, our preacher conference there. Um, we met with all the evangelists there every night, and so we were there a lot of time, a lot of the time, and it worked out really well. This was the the main group of leadership there, uh, the four Americans. If you couldn't tell who they were, uh, Michael McCorkle, Jay Lloyd, Ray Cook, and myself. Michael's an evangelist. It's my father-in-law. Jay Lloyd, who's actually down in Plainview right now preaching uh, for the week, he's an elder and evangelist from Fort Smith, Arkansas. Ray Cook is an elder at Bridgeport, um, now Paradise, after they combined with the, a church last week, and then myself. And the leaders of the work, so the people who oversee this every day, um, even when we're not on trips to Nigeria, but every day they're on the phone, they're on Zoom, uh, talking about this is Ty, uh, Ty Fleming, Sean Zebok. Jerry Lowry, Ray Cook, and Michael McCorkle. So those five guys um, spend a lot of time and a lot of effort um, on the work in Nigeria. These other three arrows pointing down, that's Tennyson, Grant, and Marvelous. That's the leadership that we have in place over in Nigeria. 
And these guys are in charge. Um, we in America are just tools to help them do the things that they need to do. These guys are, are very trustworthy men. Um, they're very dedicated men to the work. And so we trust them completely with the work that we've, that we've set out for them. This last trip, we were really able to set up uh, really good communications. We took some new computers over there. And so now we can, we can get on a computer and we can Zoom with them. And so we can have daily conversations with them face-to-face, uh, which is something 20 years ago was, would have just been impossible. And so that really opens up uh, what we can do. And the rest of the guys in this photo are just guys who traveled with us all week. A lot of them are younger guys who were trying to train to hopefully be in leadership one day. Um, every day we had... Uh, two or three hour meetings with these guys just discussing the Bible, just discussing the work. And so it's nice for them to be exposed to that and get to see kind of what this, this work entails. And so we were able to see kind of the knowledge that they had, um, how much they knew about the Bible. And it was really impressive. And, and it makes me think about myself as, do I really need to be where I need to be or where I'm at? And I think that goes for all of us. We can always learn more. And it's, it's a good thing to get perspective when you talk to these guys who really know their Bible. And that's really been the, the, a, a big focus of our work is getting that, that age level down 20 years to where we can really work with these younger guys, train these younger guys, and we'll, we'll have them with us for 30, 40, 50 years um, to help work with us. While we're there, we, we use the Nigerian army to, to travel with us. And the Nigerian army um, was really helpful. Uh, they just make you feel safe. The, the people may not fear the police, but they fear the Nigerian army. And so it's really nice to be able to have these guys uh, to protect us. And uh, it was a very safe trip. Nothing, nothing was fearful uh, to me at any time. This is Samuel. Uh, Samuel's a member of the church, and he's the head of the security. Uh, about uh, seven or eight years ago, he became a member of the church. And this guy just, he knows everything there is to know about Nigerian security. Um, and he, he knows what's safe and what's not safe. And we, we really trust him and place a lot of confidence in him because Nigeria is a very dangerous place if you don't know what you're doing. Uh, but thankfully, we have people that do. Corruption. Corruption's a, a big part of just living in Nigeria and being around Nigeria and working in Nigeria. You've probably heard of, of Boko Haram, and this is a terrorist group uh, that has been terrorizing citizens of Nigeria. And that work, or that Boko Haram is mainly in the northern part of Nigeria where our work isn't but it's starting to just trek a little bit lower, a little bit more southern. And so we have just a little bit of that influence, a little bit of that fear um, in the people that we work with there in Nigeria. I'm not going to tell you that it's not a dangerous place, but we've put safety measures. Um, and like I said, I never felt in, in, in a danger uh, in any way when I was there. This is a video of just the road. And I talked about that road as you go up north from Port Harcourt. Um, and there's just trash everywhere. And this, this is really a pretty poor video, but it, it kind of gives you just some idea of how nasty this place is. And it's not just like that for half a mile stretch. It's like that for 30 miles. I mean, just trash piled up everywhere. And it makes the trip a little less enjoyable, uh, but you kind of just suffer through it. This is uh, a crosswalk, and it's just it's amazing what these people just have to go through every day just trying to cross a road. Um, and you just hope that God has blessed you with good balance if you're a Nigerian. This is a uh, picture of the roads, and uh, it's not the best. There's just not a really good way when you're sitting in the very back seat of this SUV to get a good uh, glimpse of what these roads are like. Um, but this mud is basically what it looks like the whole way, and you can imagine what it looks like after it rains. 
Um, but semis get stuck all the time. And if a semi gets stuck, they don't bring in a tow truck. That, that truck just gets jacked up right there, and they'll pull an engine out of it right there in the middle of the road, and it'll back up traffic for miles. Um, and so that's just some of the things that you have to put up when you uh, agree to go to Nigeria. As you can imagine, we don't eat a lot of the uh, local Nigerian cuisine when we're there. Uh, we pack most of our food. I pack a lot of beef jerky, uh, pack a lot of peanuts, things like that that we can just snack on throughout the day. Uh, this year, the, the big thing that everybody loved was the golden stuffed Oreos. And about day two, we were really sad that the golden stuffed Oreos were gone. Um, the other thing that was the big hit was a uh, piece of bacon that was smashed with some deviled ham and then wrapped in a tortilla. And that was something that, that Jay and Michael just loved every day, but I was not a part of that. I did venture out one time, and you can't really see it very good, but uh, this is what they call swallow. And the whole time while I was there, these guys kept saying, you got to try swallow, you got to try swallow. Like, what is swallow? And they said, well, it's this soup that you, you goop up in this, what they, it's kind of similar to matzo or some type of grainy cereal that we use. You scoop it up in that, and then you put it in your mouth and just swallow it. And it smells absolutely terrible. And they, the whole time they kept saying, you got to try it. You got to try it. You can't leave Nigeria without trying it. So I said, okay, I'll try it. And then finally, the, like two nights before we left, I said, okay, tonight's the night. I'm going to do it. And this lady came up and she said, what do you want? And I said, I want the, the swallow, but I want vegetable. I don't want any meat in it. No meat at all. Vegetable only. And there's this video that, that some people have, um, and you might've seen it. I know Harrison's seen it and shared it to a few people. I'm spooning through this stuff, and I mean, the stench is just completely awful, and I'm spooning through it, and I pull a rodent spine out of this stuff, and I knew that they weren't going to let me hear the, end, hear the end of it if I didn't do it, so I just scooped it up, swallowed it, and I was done with it, um, but it was the absolute worst thing I've ever tasted in my entire life. Money. Uh, their currency, just like our currency, is becoming worth a little bit less, and inflation has hit them hard, if not harder, than it has hit us here in the U.S. Um, back in 2010, one U.S. dollar would, would purchase about 100 or would convert into about 110 naira. In 2018, that, that same U.S. dollar converted to 363 naira. And then on this last trip, it was 560 naira. And so their dollar just is really becoming less. It's worth about a fifth less than what it was um, uh, 10, 12 years ago. Um, but the nice thing about that is when we take money over there, which we take money over there and convert it, we get a lot more bang for our buck. And so when we, when we send money to Nigeria, we're able to purchase a lot of things because of the inflation that's hit them. They, most of those Nigerians survive on about $2 a day, and it's kind of crazy to think about. I mean, some of us make 100, 200 times that in a day. And so uh, it's, it's just unimaginable to think about how little $2 a day is uh, these people are very poor. So why do I tell you all this? I show you all the problems. I show you the corruption, the money problems, the terrible food, the bad roads, uh, the nasty trash everywhere. Why do we do this? Why do we go to Nigeria? This is why we're here. And this is why we're here. And this is why we're here. And this is why we're here. Just like these people need a Savior, or just like you need a Savior, these people need a Savior too. And we want to be able to spread that gospel. And while we were there, we had 18 different baptisms. Um, and these people are so receptive to the gospel of Christ. And it's amazing 
how much they love to hear about Jesus. They have nothing in this world. They have no physical possessions, and they're searching for something. They're searching for a hope. They're searching for something different, and we can show them that. We can show them what's different. We can show them Christ and and an eternal hope. And one of the nice things, too, is we were able to baptize a village chief when we were there. And a village chief is basically like a mayor over here. And so this village priest has just a lot of uh, influence on this community. And this new church was just started maybe a year ago, and they have 40 or so members. But I think that this guy is going to have a really good influence on the, on the church and the community there and really help that church grow. This was a church that was just started about six months ago. Um, and you can see all the kids that they have, all the, the young families that they have, and it's, it's, a, it's a really good thing to see that. And a lot of the churches have a lot of young people over there. But then you get to other churches, and it's a lot of older people. These churches that have been here for, for 40, 50, 60 years, and they've got a lot of elders in place and a lot of deacons in place, and they're a lot of good foundation uh, in those churches. Some of these churches have 15 members, and some like this. This is only about a third of this building. It pans around. Um, have 200 plus. And so a lot of these churches are small, but a lot of them are really big too. One of the things that I learned on this trip is no matter where you go, people are people. And people like the same thing that we like, maybe not the food, but people are people. You have a conversation with them, you sit down with them, you talk with them, you share your, your happiness, you share your sorrows. People are people. And I no longer see these people as the Nigerian people or the Nigerian brethren, but I see them as family. And just like I see you and I I talk to you and I converse with you and you're my brothers, you're my sisters, the same thing goes for these people. And and I hope that as as I show you some of these photos and videos that you'll kind of get the same feel for that uh, this morning as well. This lady's name is Chi, uh, and you've probably heard of Susanna Holmes. And Susanna Holmes is an orphanage that this lady founded there in Nigeria. She actually grew up in Nigeria and came over to the University of Georgia and got a uh, degree in social work. And she saw that there was just a tremendous need for all these orphans to be taken care of in Nigeria. And so she, she packed back up uh, after being in America for many years and go, went back to Nigeria and started this orphanage. And in this orphanage, she's got 40 kids of just all ages. And some of these are intellectually, dis- intellectually disabled and some of them are just, are just normal, happy kids. Um, but the issue there is these orphans are orphans in a sense that they don't have any parents, but these parents haven't given up the rights to these kids because there's a lot of money that goes around with having a kid. You can, you can sell your kids for a lot, and, and so um, these, parent, these, these kids can't be adopted out because these parents haven't legally given up their rights. Um, but Chi does a, a lot of tremendous work. She provides them with their schooling, with their shelter, with their clothes. And so we spend a lot of time at this orphanage there um, talking with these kids. We spend a full day there, and you see um, just all the happiness uh, that, that these kids have in their lives uh, because of this lady. Here's a picture with Jay um, in the middle of all these kids, and it was just a really, really good blessing to be there all day with them. Um, here's a, a, just a picture of the leadership that they have there in place. They do a tremendous job teaching these kids. And while we were there, we were able to bring uh, four different laptops so that they can start kind of learning what a computer is. Took some tablets just so they can learn just basic typing, just basic computer skills for whenever they get to the future. Um, and, and a lot of their jobs have, have things to do with that. You've probably seen in a lot of these pictures these T-shirts that we've been handing out. And I talked about that before we left on this trip, that we were trying to raise some money to, to send some T-shirts and 
uh, suitcases that were sent over there. We took uh, a total of 12 suitcases over there, um, and half of them were filled with uh, T-shirts. I think it was six or 700 T-shirts, um, and some of these were filled with laptops as well. And so we were able to hand those out, not only at, at this orphanage, but also to all the different churches that we went to. And just like we like getting things here, we like getting free things, people over there really like getting these free things too. And uh, they'll wear these not only for this year, but they'll wear these for 10 years, these t-shirts for 10 years. And so uh, those things do a lot of good uh, for those people, but also in just advertising for the church in those different, in those different communities. Every church that you go to in Nigeria has orphans. And this is, a, uh, this is a two girls named Miracle and Aluchi. And I think it was four or five years ago, they found out that these, these girls didn't have any parents. No one was taking care of them. And so an American family found out about that, and they're sending $1,500 a year over to, these, to this uh, widow and these two orphans. And that supports them for an entire year. It gives them the food that they need. It gives them the shelter that they need. And it gives the, the two girls an education. And it, it's crazy to think that this, the girl on the left is 11 years old and the girl on the, the right is 9 years old. And it, that's just how malnourished they were growing up. And so uh, really small, but they're doing really good now. And we, we hope to be able to, to provide more opportunities like this. And if you want to donate $1,500 a year to support three people, we're hoping to be able to find a lot more families like this um, over there. Because literally every church you go to, we were talking to the, the evangelist there, and we said, do you think that this would be a good thing? Do you all have orphans and widows in, in all your churches? I said, oh, yes, we have 10, 15 orphans in every church. And so there's a tremendous need, I think, uh, that the church could, could help meet there with that. This is uh, Brother Nath and his wife, and I started talking with him, and, and they've been married for 20 years now. And... Him and his wife have, had, have tried to have children for, for 18 years, and they've been unable to do that. And they finally decided, well, we're going to adopt. And uh, they took out loans, just, just like here. It's very expensive to do that. They took out loans. They borrowed money from people and individuals. Um, and they finally, two years later, and this was, I think, six months ago, seven months ago, they finally found this little girl that they were gonna, going to be able to adopt. And so they get this little girl, they bring them into their home. Uh, she's like six months old, and they spend time with her, and they love her, and they, they um, for a month, they spend time, and they develop this relationship with this little girl. And one month later, the police show up at the door, and they take this, this child away. Come to find out this child was, was stolen from her family and was then sold um, as an adoption to this family. And so stuff like that goes on all the time. And so thankfully they didn't take these people to prison because they didn't have anything to do with this, but they're left without all that money that they gave up to try and adopt this little girl. And plus all the emotional damage from having to do that. And so an American family found out how much that was, how much that uh, adoption cost them and how much they were out and paid for that so that they're not, um, they're not having to just just use, do the rest of their life and trying to pay off those loans. And so America, the people here are, are doing a lot of really good things outside of church work as well to help support families over there. On a little happier note, um, we had a preacher conference, an evangelist conference when we were there. 
And we spent three entire days at the hotel, uh, probably 10 hours a day, just discussing God's Word and, and what God has to say about elders, what God has to say about deacons, what He has to say about the family structure, and things like that. They're just really critical, foundational things to the church. Um, we talked about ordaining elders and deacons because that's something that we really want to focus on over there is getting good leadership in place. Um, and after every talk, we broke into discussion groups to let these guys kind of figure out some question and answer stuff and see how much they really knew. And it was really, really neat to see how much they really understood about the Bible and how they could reason things through. Just like we can here, these guys have tremendous knowledge. And not only was it uh, the four Americans that spoke at this thing, uh, but the, the Nigerian leadership spoke as well. And so we've got a lot of good video of them as they're speaking. And, and they speak in English just like we do. Um, and it's really powerful to see how they preach and how their people respond to them preaching. Uh, really refreshing to see that. They're very skilled teachers. Nathan led 706 this morning. And this was the song that we really tried to, to teach over there. Every time we go over there, we try and teach them a, a, just one American song. And they teach us a Nigerian song. Hopefully at some point I'll be able to teach you that one. Um, but this is one that we sung over and over and over again. We probably sung it 50 or 60 times. And it, it, it gives me joy this morning knowing that we sang that song this morning, but probably eight hours ago, 6,000 miles away, there were some churches in Nigeria singing that same song. I just think that's really neat. But no matter how many times we sang this song, 50, 60 times, this was towards the end of the trip, poor Ray had to look at the words every single time. And so I just got to give him a hard time for that everywhere I go, uh, just because I thought it was hilarious. Uh, this is a picture of uh, just all the different evangelists that we support. This is probably half of them uh, that were at that, that conference that we did. And so we did an interview with each one of these people, and they told us about kind of the work that they did, where they were located. And so it just gives us a, a really good idea of, of kind of the, where all these people are attending and where all they work. And then, like I said, at night, we were able to get together with those, those uh, 10 guys, 8 guys, and uh, before we went to bed and just kind of talk. And, and we talked about a lot of Bible things. We talked about a lot of life things and just kind of sharing in their joys and happiness and, and sometimes in their sorrows and, and some of these terrible stories and terrible things and tragedies that they have to go through as well. One thing that, that we want every time we go over there is, what do you need? What's, as part of America, what's something that we can do to help your work here in Nigeria? And so one of the big things every time is motorcycles. We got to have transportation to get these preachers around, these evangelists around to all the different churches. And so we were able to do that. Uh, they like handouts, having, having uh, hymn books as well at churches is a big thing in both Ibu and Efik. Um, and then properties and roofs and buying uh, buildings that they can worship in is also a really, a really good thing over there. This is a picture of uh, these guys, and you can see how happy they are to receive these motorcycles. A lot of times they just have to taxi around or walk or ride their bike, and, I mean, we're talking 20, 30 miles sometimes, and you can imagine just how difficult that is. And so about $1,000, you can purchase one of these motorcycles, um, and, it, and it gives them, and it's a, a tremendous tool for these guys as they go and preach. Uh, these men are, are dedicated every day. They're doing something, working really hard, and so really happy to be able to support them uh, through that. Uh, this little kid, um, he's at a, a drinking well, and in this church, in this community especially, um, there was a well, there's a community well, it was the only source of water in the entire town, and 
they would not let members of the church use their water well. If you remember the church, you couldn't use the water well. And so these people were having to walk six miles just to get water. And so we were able to purchase this well and dig this well and allow those church members, on, this is on church property, to have access to that. Not only is it available to the church members, but for six hours of the day, the community can come and use it as well. And so that's a tremendous evangelistic outreach tool there uh, for, for those members as well. This is a picture of just uh, the part on the right is the old building, or really just structure that they were meeting under. And they built this wall around the outside. And it's really difficult for them to build roofs over there. And, and that's something that's very costly. And so this video kind of pans out and goes into the door. And you can see how terrible this roof structure is that, that they're meeting under right now. Um, it's being held up by maybe two-inch poles and could, really could collapse any moment. But what we're trying to do is raise some support to be able to put a roof on this building so that these, these guys can have a, a good worship service there uh, without, without being afraid it, that that could fall. Uh, we also were able to purchase some property when we were there for a new church building to be built. Um, and this is, uh, is going to be the location for the Umuoto Central Church. Um, and they've already started building these bricks. And the way they build buildings over there is they'll, they'll get up uh, several thousand of these bricks. And then once they've got those made, they'll start uh, stacking them and putting cement on them um, at, at, until the point they have this, uh, these walls erected. Um, and then a roof can go on it. And ultimately, what we're trying to do in Nigeria is create self-sustaining churches, churches that we don't have to send money to. And there are a bunch of those where we're not sending any money, and they're self-sustaining. They've got good leadership in place. They've got good elders, good deacons, good families. And that's what we're wanting to do is to create just a bunch of self-sustaining churches um, for years to come. And, and I hope that, that um, our, our trip this time shows you that that's what we're trying to do. Here's our church Facebook page, the Church of Christ Nigeria Facebook page, and I encourage you to get on there and follow that. Um, there's a lot of good videos that are posted there. There's interviews. This one here is with Marvelous and with Sean Zeebok, um, but we'll, we'll post things on there of people singing different songs and different preachers preaching, um, and you can learn a lot of really good stuff, um, and it'll help you stay up to date with all the stuff that's going on over there. Uh, and then this is a really important tool as well, and I hope you'll write this down. It's cfcnigeria.com, and this is where you can go and you can figure out how to donate. Um, the church here sends some money, but it'd be really nice, and I know a lot of individuals here support monthly sending money over to Nigeria. One-time one donations are really good, but monthly donations are really, really good because that gives us just a good idea of how much money can we send to these people um, every month and just have a, a constant uh, outflow of that. We currently send about $8,000 a month to Nigeria, and that's just supporting preachers. That's not these special projects such as roofs and buildings and property and things like that. Um, most of our evangelists receive about $72 a month, and we're really wanting to double that um, just because inflation has hit them so hard. And so to do that, we need about $1,700 a month throughout um, Texas, Arkansas, Oklahoma. And so we're really trying to just raise that support a lot, and I hope the church here will do that. I hope that you individually will do that as well. Every time I talk to anybody over there, and I've got probably 40 or 50 videos of people just saying thank you. Thank you for your support. Thank you for caring about us. Thank you for doing so much. Thank you for traveling 6,000 miles over here to see us, and they wanted me to share that with you. They said, just tell them thanks. You've given them great joy, 
And for the last few minutes, I couldn't get out of here without a sermon. For the last few minutes, I want to talk to you about the fact that there's tremendous joy in giving. And we're going to look at Philippians chapter 4, verses 10 through 20. And you look at, you look at the book of Philippians, and, and Paul was basically, the whole thing was saying thank you. Thank you for sending money to me and helping support me through this. You sent money, you sent gifts, you kept me going, you kept my work going. And he uses the last half of Philippians chapter 4 to do that. And he mentors them and he mentors us on how we can be generous givers. Um, and I want you, this morning, I want you to understand that this is not a guilt trip at all. This is not a start the Sarah McLaughlin song. It's, it's not that. It's not a guilt trip. This is something I want you to understand that, that giving is a tremendous joy. It's not something that, that we should begrudgingly do, but it's a joyful thing. And I hope you'll see that. So he starts out, Paul starts out in Philippians chapter 4, verse 10. He says, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly. And the very first part, Paul, giving these people at Philippi, giving to Paul's mission, gave him great joy. And when you give to the mission of the church, you create joy for these people. If you fund what God is doing, you're a joy creator. And you've done that, and I've got so many videos, like I said, of people just saying thank you so much for for that. And it's not about the dollar amount. It's just about you showing care and showing concern for these people over there. He goes on to say, I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you have received or revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I've learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound. In, every, in any and every circumstance, I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Yet it was kind of you to share in my trouble. You know, by giving to the church, giving to these people over there, you partner in their suffering. And when you support the work in Nigeria it gives you so much compassion. It gives you so much joy to see that this is what they're having to go through. These are the struggles that they're going through, and you're able to partner with them in that. And that opportunity is available to us to be able to, to partner in these, people, in these people's lives. And, and you can be a partner with someone. And that's something that, you know, I think about my, fun my funeral or, or going to a funeral. That's what you want said about you at your funeral, that you cared about people, that you had compassion for people, that you shared in these people's troubles. You don't want to go to a funeral and, and the guy says, you know, he purchased things for his own joy and comfort and then passed away. That's, that's not something that we want said at our funeral. You want people to, to think of you as someone who cared for other people and, and had compassion towards other people, just like these people here in Philippi did. Paul goes on to write, and you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. And I really want to focus in on that last part there, the fruit. And when Jesus enters into your life and, and, you, and you're a Christian now and you're baptized, it's all about the fruit. What are you, what are you producing? What does is, what is your Christian life look like? And for these people, part of their fruit was how much they were giving to Paul, how they were supporting Paul um, in his work. You don't support the work to become a Christian. You support the work because you are a Christian. And that's part of the fruits that we show and, and part of the, the fruits that we have because of how, uh, how uh, or because we're a Christian. 
And ultimately, like I said, I'm not here to ask for money. We're not going to take up any money this morning, but I hope that that's something that you'll consider, that how much joy you can create for other people and how much fruit you can bear um, through your Christian works as well. The end of Philippians chapter 4 there, he says, I've received full payment and more. I'm well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God, and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Now think about that. And my God will supply every need. And I hope that you trust that. Do you trust that God is going to provide for you? That God's going to give you what you need in this life? Because your trust in God allows you to freely give. If you don't trust in God, you're going to hoard up everything that you have. You're going to not want to give your money. You're not going to want to give your possessions away. But if you truly trust that God is going to provide for you, you're a lot more free and apt to give away the things that you, you have in your life. And then he ends that and he says, to, to our God and Father be glory forever and ever, forever and ever, amen. And ultimately, everything that we do in this life is for the glory of God. There's a, a quote that I read while I was preparing, preparing this, missions exist because worship doesn't. And if, I, I hope that you enjoy worshiping God. I hope this morning as we sing these songs, as, as we pray together, I hope that's something that you enjoy and I hope that's something that you want to increase because you know, you know how you can double your worship to God? By adding another person to the church. And when there's more people that worship God, that's a great thing. And so this, as, as Paul wraps up in Philippians chapter 4 with that, that's not the last thing that he had to say about the church at Philippi. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, he says, We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy... Their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And so he brags about them in his letter to the church there at Philippi, but he also brags about them to the church there in Corinth. And it's so amazing to me to see this that they, I mean, they were in extreme poverty, but they've overflowed in their amount of wealth that they gave. And the last verse there, he says, they begged us earnestly. And that's just such a, a giving servant's heart. They were begging Paul earnestly just to help relieve the saints and help take part in the saints and help fund the mission of the church there. And this is the last verse that we're going to read, 1 John three sixteen. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has this world's goods and sees his brothers in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or in talk, but in deed and in truth. And we see how to love. How do we see how to love? We see Christ. And this morning, if you're not a Christian, if you don't know Jesus, then you really don't understand this whole mission thing. You don't understand how to give because we see love through Christ. And once you know Christ, once you love Christ, once you become a Christian, all this other stuff, all this generosity, all, this thing, all those things, that's going to follow. And so that's your first step this morning. If you're not a Christian, you need to become a Christian, and you'll learn about all this other stuff later. And I want you to know love this morning. We're going to offer an invitation song right now. Um, if you'll go ahead and grab your songbooks. This mission is, is the most important thing in the world. 
for people to know who Jesus is, for people to love Jesus, to, for people to become baptized Christians. And that mission is there in Nigeria, and that mission is here. And so this morning, if you need to be a part of that church, we want to do that. This morning, if the church can help you in any way, we'd like to do that as we come and as we sing.